Welcome to the Bravo Papers, a safe space for all us Bravo fans who love to analyze, deconstruct, and talk about our favorite Bravo shows ad nauseum. So join me, Bravo and Botox, and we'll catch up on all the Bravo news and read way too much into our favorite shows and Bravo liberties. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bravo Papers Bravo Weekly News. It's kind of breaking news today because I don't know, something's in the water, something's going on because today is wild. I mean, this week is wild. I feel like it's just been like nonstop since I recorded last of things coming out. So yeah, let's get right into it. Um, actually, let's not, because I just have to say one thing quickly. Please give me a rating and a review. I would love that. If you like the podcast, if you could give me a five-star rating and a kind review, you know, my average number has gone down a little on the Apple and I want to get it back up again because I had some people who were, you know, I think maybe some Kyle Richards fans who are mad at me. Um, anyways, so if you could do that, I would love it. Thank you. Also, if you're interested, you can join my Patreon. $5 a month gets you four extra podcasts a month. A great deal. This week on the Patreon, I went through the leaked quote unquote text that Kyle sent Dory. Well, Dory leaked it. We know. I give all my thoughts on that and why I think, you know, it was passive aggressive and what I think Kyle was trying to do with it and why I think Dorit suddenly decided to just pull this out and bring it to the table, plus all my thoughts on every line of it. Um, And then I also talk about my sort of mini recap on the season premiere of Summer House, um, you know, why I'm more interested in PK and Dorit's relationship and some thoughts about Kyle and Mauricio and the finale. Okay. Well, and I also talk about the first part of the reunion a little bit because there was some clips out there already, which I had watched. So if you're interested, check it out, patreon.com slash bravo and Botox. Okay, let's get into it. We are going to, you know, here we go, by the way, I actually thought my biggest story for this episode was going to be Portia Williams getting a divorce. (laughs) So on Monday, that was announced and I was like, oh, wow, that's going to be, you know, my like lead story for this episode. But no, then Brandy came out and decided she's suing Andy Cohen for sexual harassment. And I was like, oh, I guess that's the new lead story. No. Then Leah came out and she's suing. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then now Rachel is suing Tom and Ariana. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then it was like 45 minutes later, Brittany and Jax are on the rocks and living in separate houses. What is happening? I I don't know if it's because it's like the one year anniversary of Scandaval coming up. I guess some people, somebody was saying, I don't know if this is 100% accurate because I can't remember, but this is like the one year anniversary of when Ariana found the text or video or whatever in Sandoval's phone 
So I'm just like, okay, I guess that's maybe, I don't know. There's like the vibes in the air, the bad juju or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, things are going on. Now, before we get into all these lawsuits, I just want to say for the record, I think Bethany is behind all of them. So, you know, we have Leah, Brandy, and Rachel, three kind of ex-employees who are, you know, scorned in some way and who are sort of bitter and have been a little bit, you know, vocal in their support of Bethany's reality reckoning, at least Leah and Rachel have. Um, Brandy, like she wasn't in that article, the Vanity Fair article. However, because of what's happened with uh, Caroline Manzo and her kind of demanding over and over again for them to for Bravo to release the footage, it's, you know, pretty obvious why Brandy would turn. And like, listen, I'm not saying these women didn't want to do these lawsuits on their own and that that wasn't their choice. But I just, I can smell the seafood, you know? I can just hear Bethany and her cracking open those crab legs and whatever in the seashell, the seafood, not seashells, but you know what I mean. Um, In her hotel room, I can see her texting them, encouraging them. And listen, no one is more delusional than Bethany. and. I think some of the aspects of these lawsuits are delusional, not all, but some. And I could see Bethany talking to someone who was sort of on the edge of whether they want to go through with it or not. And I could see her pushing them and being like, oh, you've got a case, da da da, right? And then, of course, you're going to find a lawyer who's going to say you've got a case because they want your money. Okay. So let's start with, I'm going to start with Leah, because to me, this is the one that is, I don't know, the most, the biggest reach, I think. So like the, the other ones I think have a little bit more um, validity. So, you know, Leah is saying that Bravo and Andy Cohen preyed on her alcohol problem to turn her suffering into ratings. Okay. Her lawyers claim the show knew she was battling alcohol and had mental health issues and messed with her head purposefully. Okay. I mean, it would be hard to find a housewife or person on reality TV who isn't dealing with some sort of mental health issue. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's right to mess with someone's head or whatever, but I just think like, I think the majority of people or a lot of people have some sort of mental health issue and, you know, work can add to that and it can add stress. Like, I just think that points a little bit of a reach because like I would say Sonia, Bethany, um, Luann, you know, all have mental health issues too, (laughs) probably, even if they're undiagnosed. Um, and I mean, that's kind of the show, like the show is about someone's real lives. And if mental health is one of their struggles or battles, that's, you know, the point is you show your life. So you know, that kind of going in. So she also says producers were trying to cause her to relapse and trying 
to drive her to drink with coaxing and coercion and refusing her time to go to AA. Now, this I've got an issue with because I just find this, like, do I believe that maybe there was some pressure maybe from people to drink at some point or whatever? I guess that's a possibility. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibilities, nor is it like such a crazy far reach that could have happened. Again, she's going to need proof. And, you know, I guess the um, production company could be liable for that. Again, if she has proof, because she did produce like some texts a while ago after I think it was when the Vanity Fair article came out and, and the texts were like kind of a reach in the sense of like, they weren't like a clear, like you should start drinking. <laughs> the only one that was clear was, um, who was, it? was it Marisol or Heather? I can't remember which one on Ultimate Girls Trip. But again, like, I mean, that's like easy for Bravo because they can just shift the blame. Like we can't control what talent says, you know, and, you know, we can't control if, you know, we have someone like Marisol or Heather on the show who says that like that's, you know, it's a little bit of a, a stretch, I think, from Leah. So she also said, Leah, when she refused to drink, they tried other ways to destabilize her to get an on camera meltdown and claims that they landed her in a psychiatric hospital. OK, I mean, there is zero accountability here for herself. And, you know, I know that's kind of what everyone online is saying, but it's, you know, they're saying it because it's true. But there's a real, like, desperation here to be the victim. It's one of my biggest pet peeves and just bothers me so much when people are just desperate to victimize themselves. And it seems like Leah kind of has a history of that. So let's read Leah's statement. She says, this is not a story I ever thought I would be telling. In fact, I was petrified to speak on it and was warned not to. Today, my attorneys filed a lawsuit in the United States District Court of the Southern District of New York against my former employers. Your favorite Bravo shows are run by people who create a dangerous work environment encourage substance abuse to artificially create drama and cynically prey on the vulnerabilities of their employees. Some of the stories and incidences that are detailed in the lawsuit have been shown in edited form on TV or reported in media, but many have not. And there will be much more that comes out once the people involved are questioned under oath. So she's assuming it'll get to that. Um, today, I am taking back my reality. There's something wonderful, wonderful, about the concept of reality TV, that millions of people you've never met can laugh with you, cry with you, empathize with you, and root for you. But the reckless and diabolical way in which the people at the top drool over the mishaps and misfortunes of the women, including myself, are disturbing. I mean, if we're going to be honest, though, the audience drools over them, too. Like, that's what the show is. I don't know if some of these women don't understand we don't tune in because we just want to watch you go to dinner and laugh and have fun and like live a privileged life. 
like that wouldn't be enough. <laughs> like people do watch them because they want to see some of the drama going on in your life, some of the issues you're having and how you're handling it. And they do ultimately want to see conflicts. I, that is just real. Okay. So um, drool over the mishaps. Okay. So it's a workplace culture where toxicity, alcoholism, and pain are not only expected, but encouraged and facilitated. I mean, that's true. But again, is it news? Is it lawsuit worthy? Mm, that's another story. Um, that is something I most definitely did not sign up for, nor would I ever endorse. Okay, so this is where she's you really lose me. How can you say you did not sign up for that? When Roni had been on already for 11 seasons, Scary Island had happened. Um, Sonia falling and hitting her head on that marble table in Miami, I think it was Miami, that had happened. Luann being cheated on and Bethany showing the picture on her phone, like so much had already happened. And like, don't try to pretend, Leah, that you didn't watch the show and that you didn't know what it was. Like, just give me a break. Like, that is ridiculous. Okay. So, and again, I understand maybe that there's probably stuff behind the scenes. There is stuff behind the scenes. And that could be what she's talking about. But let's not pretend that you didn't know that these shows thrive off of, you know, toxicity and conflict. That is what they are. <laughs> again, I think she and like many others are fine with that until you know they're not the favorite or the audience turns on them or they have a bad season and then suddenly it's you know it's unfair and the crying begins so there's nothing sorry i'm continuing her statement there's nothing more important than my sobriety without it i risk losing everything well then you shouldn't have come on the show if the sobriety is the most important thing in your life, why would you sign up for a show with a cast of coworkers who are very into drinking? I could understand. I could even understand if she, like, just pretend she was never on the show. If she signed up to be with the current cast, that I could see because a lot of them don't drink. Like, Uba doesn't drink. And um, Jenna Lyons doesn't drink. And they're just not like big, big drinkers like the old group was. But the old group were big drinkers. <laughs> like the old group were like drinkers that got arrested partially due to drinking, right? And substances. The old group were like bringing back random guys to the vacation hotel and partaking in substances, etc. Like that is not, and, and I agree with her, that is not a good environment for an addict. But neither is, you know, a bar <laughs> for an alcoholic. If I was a an alcoholic recovering, I personally wouldn't choose to go start working at a bar. Because it's not like, you know, she was already in the job 
and then decided to get sober, right? She was already sober, didn't have the job and didn't need it, right? Like this is not, oh, I, you know, I've been in this job, I've been an alcoholic and, you know, I need this job to put food on the table for my family and, you know, I can't just quit. So, you know, I need my workplace to be supportive of my sobriety and whatever, you know, that would be different. But that's not the case. The case is that she was already sober and then decided to go into a job that would not be conducive to that sobriety. Like, you know, it, again, it would be like, okay, an alcoholic, you know, who has not been a bartender their entire career, all of a sudden decides after they get sober, let me go become a bartender. <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. Like, it's just, and listen, like I, you know, have experience with this topic of addiction and, you know, do have someone close to me who struggles with it, who did actually change jobs because of it because the environment that they were working in involved a lot of alcohol, you know, and it was, it was just too much. So it's like, there's, you know, there, we cannot control every factor of society. And, and this is not like a victim blamey thing, because, you know, people are kind of running a little too far with the victim blamey thing nowadays. There's also the opposite, which is where people want to be the victim a little too much. There also needs to be a certain amount of accountability. There also needs to be a certain amount of, you know, being realistic with the world and to just look and realize it's raining. Let's bring an umbrella. You know, like we can't always stop the rain, but we can prepare ourselves, right? So if the rain is you have an addiction problem, bring your umbrella. You know, maybe it's not the best idea to sign up to work in an environment where alcohol is a huge part of it or a prominent part of it, at least. And again, again, that doesn't mean that a sober person couldn't do the job and be on Roni or any of these shows and be okay, because here's the other thing. They can, and they are, and they have. <laughs> okay. Like, it's like, again, because there is you know, your sobriety is for you and you have to take accountability for it. And if you fall off the wagon or is it on the wagon? Whatever. If you do, then yeah, you you have to take some personal accountability as well. Now, if somebody knows you're an alcoholic and they are like deliberately pushing you and being like, have a shot, have a shot. That person is a jerk. And that person is not your friend and they should be reported to HR. So if it is as clear cut as that, then, okay, I can, you know, maybe Leah has somewhat of a case in that sense. But I just, listen, I just have a feeling that it's not. I just have a feeling that she wanted to be on the show. She wanted to have like a breakout season and be everyone's favorite. She was like, oh, if I'm going to like have lasting power on the show and get signed on next year, I got to do something crazy because a lot of the housewives kind of go in thinking like I got to make my mark. We see it all the time. Look at Anna Marie. She's screwed herself over because she went in looking for something, made up this whole esophagus thing and it's blown up in her face. Right. 
you know, and she learned the hard way. So I feel like, but again, she may have secured herself more time on the show. Right. So like, I just like, I cannot see how Leah can prove this unless she literally has like footage, videos or text or something of somebody explicitly trying to, you know, talk her into drinking or using drugs, which I just really don't think that exists. Maybe it does. I don't know why she would have waited this long for it to come out. There was nothing about it in the Vanity Fair article. Like, I just, yeah. So it's very, you know, it's just like, I have this, I just feel like they wanted me to drink. Like, that was what she said in the Vanity Fair article. It was something like that. Like, I I just, I felt like there was pressure, but like no one said anything explicitly, but I could just feel it in the air. I'm sorry, but that's not enough for a lawsuit. And feelings are not facts. Just because you felt like the producers wanted you to, or like someone maybe wanted you to, doesn't mean that they did. And again, I don't know everything. I don't have every text message fact. I wasn't there. There's something could have been said that was explicit, that was inappropriate. That's possible. Yes. <laughs> um, but again, she's going to have to produce receipts. So, okay. She also says, I have been very transparent about my addiction and recovery. However, there are personal things in this lawsuit that I never wanted to disclose for fear of being judged and shamed. But I am at a point now in my life where I feel strong enough to withstand whatever may come my way. Okay, I guess we'll see. I have love and respect for many of the Bravo talent and getting to know them was a positive experience in all of this. I may be a pariah to them after this, but I do hope my lawsuit helps reality TV to align with its true purpose to authentically depict the complexities of life while offering genuine support to those who share their stories. I've been trying to address this internally for years now, but have been dismissed, stonewalled and gaslit but actually at every turn since. Bravo can try to manipulate my reality and others all they want, but the cold hard facts of this case are as real as it gets. Thank you to my close friends and family, and of course, someone who she tags who have supported me um, in every difficult but necessary, necessary step, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, so Leah posted this, and again, you know, I've, think I've pretty clearly given my thoughts. And again, unless there's something that, you know, I don't know that is going to be detailed and going to come out. And I am fully willing to, you know, listen to new details and take those into consideration and fully willing to change my mind and, you know, concede if I was wrong in anything I just said. But I, as of now, I can only go with the information I have as is, you know, all of us and everyone on the internet and everyone reading all this, right? And as of now, what it looks and appears to be is, you know, someone who maybe screwed up with their sobriety is upset about it because maybe it led them to like a spiral in, you know, with their mental health, etc. and is now kind of salty about it. And it also kind of reads as someone who thought they were going to get a contract, another contract on maybe the new Roni or whatever, 
or if they were going to do Roni Legacy and then Roni Legacy didn't end up happening and they didn't get offered another contract and she didn't have a good edit slash experience whatever on Ultimate Girls Trip and is bitter and needs some money. <laughs> Let's not forget that Leah, Leah's money that she started married to um, the mafia with, is it married to the mafia or mob, whatever, was from a lawsuit. <laughs> like she won a lawsuit and she took that money and like parlayed it and used it to start her clothing line. So, I mean, you know, and I'm not even saying that as a bad thing. Like, good for you. If you win money in a lawsuit, you should make good use of it, right? You didn't just go out and blow it and spend it. But it's kind of like, okay, you know, I think there's other things. There's other motives and things going on behind the scene. Here's the other thing. There's like this whole thing of a, about like production didn't help me and they actually made the addiction worse. There's a part of me that's like, the producers didn't help me and support me in my sobriety. I, I'm a little like on the fence about that. Is it like a lower level producer? And I don't mean that in like a condescending way. I mean, like not like an executive producer, like the field producers who are average regular people that make average regular uh, incomes, who, by the way, are the ones who really need representation and support. Um and who often get abused by the talent and who we've seen from that below deck the deck example have been sexually harassed by talent and others right and probably need more protections and you know don't have a big platform to speak out like this but at the end of the day so those people are supposed to be now addiction counselors and sponsors it's not like I get that she's working there, but just like an alcoholic working in an office job, it's not everyone that they work with's job to like help them stay sober. It's your job as an addict to, you know, be accountable, to stay sober, to face challenges. There's always going to be dinner parties where there's alcohol. There's always going to be, you're going to go to a restaurant. Everyone's going to get a glass of wine. There's going to be a work party. People at the work party are going to be drinking. There's going to be, you go on vacation and you're walking down the street and someone offers you, you know, some Coke or something like those temptations are never going to disappear. The whole world cannot change and be edited for that. Like, that's the thing here, right? So it's like, I don't think it's like a field producer's job or any to help make sure she stays sober. Is it their job to, you know, follow the rules, et cetera, that are laid out in the contracts? And if Leah needs to take time off to go to AA or whatever to accommodate things like that, yes, yes, it is. So if it's true what she says that they like, barred her or didn't let her go to AA meetings, that is obviously wrong. Okay. But then the part where it's like, they didn't help her. It's not like they are not qualified to do that. They're not doctors. They're not addiction experts. Like they're not sobriety coaches. That is not their job. I'm sorry. It's not. Their job is to produce a show. So it's like, ugh. and like, yes, should they also just have like, morals as humans yes right like we saw with like the cameraman who um 
on below deck who didn't let that guy when he who, that naked guy who tried to climb into the girl's bed and stopped that yes that's just like morality as humans you're stopping like a crime from happening right but listen it's the talent does need to be protected to a degree and supported but it's also also ridiculous to go too far and expect like the field producers or the crew to, to be like you know to be god like you still are an adult right and they also work for this big company you just work in different roles they're behind the scenes in your talent um so so that's the other thing she says that they didn't allow her to go to aa now that's a very specific accusation here's why i'm having trouble believing it because she also had this whole thing about how they didn't let her go to her grandmother's see her grandmother when her grandmother was dying and it's basically kind of come out that that was not really true right production has said we never said she couldn't go you know she chose not to go and then you know she felt some type of way about it and guilty which we've seen but the co-workers on the show or the cast sorry also said that no no one told her she wasn't allowed to go here's the truth they were filming a show she was new that season or was that her second season i don't remember but either way she was pretty new and she i think i really think that this is what happened i think she didn't want to miss out on filming <laughs> i think she was worried she'd be left out she wouldn't, you know, like be the star. She'd miss out on like some epic scene that would end up going down as iconic. And, you know, she'd miss out on something. And I really think that that's what happened. And that, you know, maybe she was like trying to get like reassurance from the producers that it wouldn't be a big deal if she missed a bit of filming. And maybe they wouldn't give her that reassurance that she was looking for. But to try and say like they didn't let you go that's misleading so yeah um the other thing i was gonna say is that you know she's talking about this aspect of like andy is like doing drugs he's doing coke he's offering it to people and you know i i've seen a lot of opinions online about it so listen is anyone surprised that andy probably does coke <laughs> no that's like kind of like people know that i feel like it's like known people talk about it all the time i've seen him doing stuff in the press before where, his, where i've been like yeah he's probably high right now it's not you know a bombshell as it was put in the in the headline however is it right for him to be like offering it to people who are below him no that's not right. Of course, he shouldn't do that. But again, what I'm wondering here is, did he offer it to Leah? Because unless he did, or did it right in front of her or whatever, like, I feel like she probably needs proof. Because he can just say, no, I don't do that. And there's already a bunch of housewives coming out saying that they've never experienced that. So it's just going to be like one person's word against the other. Do we all like, is Andy an adult who maybe has a Coke problem? Uh, probably. Yeah. 
does that necessarily mean he's like, you know, because he might be an addict or have a drug issue that he's a bad person? No. Is it bad for him again to, you know, be encouraging employees who don't do drugs to start using and stuff? A hundred percent it is. But we don't know if like, I don't know if that's what's happening. It sounds like he's doing coke with other housewives who already do coke as well and they do it together and they have fun <laughs> which again you know that is that is a blurry line because like maybe like a boss and employees shouldn't be like getting high together but <sighs> it's not the same though as him encouraging someone who doesn't use to use. So it's not really clear which it is that she's saying. And if she is saying, you know, and you could say, well, it's either way, it's a breach of like, you know, the hierarchy and all that, which, yeah, totally. But again, if it didn't happen to her, because the way it's kind of worded in the article I read is very like, it's just like a known thing. So I'm like, do you have evidence? Like, so you've heard through, like, gossip or whatever that he's, like, done coke with maybe certain housewives or, like, behind the scenes on Watch What Happens Live. But, like, that's not enough for a lawsuit. And again, unless she has some, like, evidence or something, it's kind of a moot point at this. Because here's the other thing. The way that you take down people with that information to you know, with this kind of industry, because this is like entertainment is when you have public out outcry and people call for someone to be canceled. And unfortunately for Leah, no one really seems to care. Like, yes, there are people who are like, yeah, Andy creeps me out and he's totally uses coke and he shouldn't be doing that with his employees. I've seen that comment, but I've seen it like maybe a couple times. And the other 99% of the comments are like, yeah, we know he does it and we don't care, basically. And whoever he's doing with it, doing it with is a consenting adult who also does that drug anyways. So it's like, who cares? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see, in my opinion here, that Leah has much of a case unless she's got a bunch of stuff that she hasn't released and has a bunch of evidence and, you know, really believes that if somehow we get these, you know, Bravo executives under oath, they're going to spill and reveal all these <laughs> facts and stuff, which I just don't see that happening. Like, yeah, I, it's just, it's, she's coming from a little bit of a Delulu place, right? Especially since we have more housewives who are willing to defend Andy and Bravo than are willing to go against them, at least at this phase. So let's talk about that. Um, let's talk about which housewives are, you know, seemingly supporting this. Okay, so some of the Bravo Labs who have interacted with Leah's post. Okay. Um, Brandy Glanville. Okay. So, you know, not the best one. <laughs> Considering that she's being accused of sexually assaulting someone right now, I don't think anyone's really going to take her word for anything because they could be like, yeah, she's just trying to distract from the fact that she sexually assaulted someone, allegedly. Right? So, you know, not the best one. Okay. Bronwyn Wyndham Burke. Mm-hmm. 
I don't even think I need to say why that one is a useless one. Um, speaking of that, she's coming up twice. She's probably thrilled because Bronwyn loves when she's getting any kind of attention, negative, positive, whatever. So, you know, um, we'll be talking about her later today. Her own kids can't stand her. So there's that. Okay. Um, Gabriella, uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but Berrigan, um, from Below Deck Sailing Yacht. I don't, sorry. I don't know who that is. Okay. Um, Lizzie Savetsky. Okay, so she was an original Roni reboot cast member who got booted off for, I think it was for saying the N-word behind the scenes. And who's next? Uh, Brandy Redman from Real Housewives of Dallas. I don't know how seriously people are going to take her either because, you know, she, again, is maybe an employee who's kind of annoyed because the show got canceled that she was on and she was like kind of the star. And then it kind of went downhill, especially after she released that video of herself, um, you know, doing a very offensive, insulting Chinese accent and, you know, mocking Asian people. So yeah, then Dana Kathan from Pump Rules, who I don't know, I just don't feel like she, her maybe viewpoint holds that much weight. Um, again, all these people could know things that I don't know behind the scenes. Of course they do, right? And, you know, maybe they do have something to say of significance. But as of now, it's not like, you know, Leah has like this like powerhouse team who's, you know, who are all current employees who are ready to speak out about all these specific things. Like she's so far got kind of a list of misfits who are not reliable for the most part, or not that they're not reliable, but they're not, uh, what's it called? Credible people. So there's also, um, Jenna Lyons. And again, though, Jenna Lyons liked the post. She didn't comment, but she liked the post. And then she took away her like. So there's that, right? So to me, that kind of says, you know, she's maybe friendly with Leah and supports her sort of as a friend. But at the same time, she deleted it because she doesn't want everyone to kind of know that she's or everyone to think that she's like anti Andy and anti Bravo. Right. Because we know she is friendly with Andy. You know, they took a selfie together, like getting coffee in New York. They seem to have a friendship and like each other. And I don't think she's coming back to the show, which I think is the right choice. But I do think that she is just kind of like you know, Bravo wasn't the right fit for her. And who knows, maybe she liked it just because she follows Leah and she liked it by mistake. Who knows, right? So again, not the strongest one. Is she one who I think is going to be like speaking out against Bravo and helping out with this lawsuit? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, so the other thing, the last thing I want to say from this Leah lawsuit is that there is an accusation in it. And this is the only one to me that like, is the most serious and needs to be taken the most seriously is that there is a higher level executive who sends unsolicited pictures of their genitalia to lower level production employees. But again, Leah is not a lower level production employee. So who is he or she who's doing that or they or whatever? And one of the, these employees who's receiving these pictures will need to speak up. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, it puts them in a crappy position because, 
you know, I'm sure the reason a lot of them haven't spoken up or any of them have spoken up about this is because they don't want to lose their job. Right. And these are the real people that are sort of like abused in these situations. I'm sorry, but it's not the Leah's, you know, and the and the rich, privileged women who are already rich and don't need this job and will be fine without it. Right. Those are not really the ones, you know, that for the most part, any of us feel bad for. It's it is the lower level employees who are just trying to like make a decent living and feed their family and support themselves and who, yeah, maybe if they speak up, they will be in some ways blacklisted or it'll be hard for them to get another job in this industry or they can't afford to miss out on a paycheck or they are don't are maybe aren't qualified for anything else. Right. And they don't have family money or a rich husband or some business that they've been promoting on Bravo. Right. So like these are the people who are in the crappy position, right? These are the people that I have real sympathy for, okay? And these are the people who, by the way, are often abused by the talent, right? Who have to deal with the talent, you know, being drunk and belligerent, right? Who have to deal with, um, you know, text, you know, annoyed or angry or irritable text messages. Um, the people who are getting their asses grabbed by Michael Darby, who are the cameramen and then feel like they can't speak out about it, right? Or the woman who spoke out about the um, the guy from Below Deck because he was like being inappropriate and trying to get her, force her to go into his hotel room and stuff. Like, these are the stories that we need to hear. And again, why aren't we going to hear a lot of them? Or why don't we hear more about them? Because people are afraid. They're afraid of losing their job. They're afraid of, you know, not being able to get another one after that. They need to pay their bills, right? And this is what I think makes it hard for me to feel bad for people like Leah. You didn't need this job on Roni. You fully chose it. You already had success and money the show is about privileged women who, you know, live on Park Avenue and whatever. And I know Leah wasn't like at that level, but it doesn't matter. You know, the type of women who are like Sutton, who are getting 300 grand a month in alimony, right? Like Sutton is clearly doing this job for fun, for something to do, right? These women are not like the warehouse worker making $7 an hour living paycheck to paycheck, Okay like, sorry, Leah, but you went on the show when you were already sober and knew your sobriety was important to you. And you chose this. Okay, you didn't go on because you needed a job and you were desperate and destitute. That's just real. Okay. Okay. So and again, not saying like it is good, you know, that Leah is bringing attention to whoever that executive is, and that does need to be dealt with. And I hope that they do deal with them. And I hope that this lawsuit maybe forces Bravo's hand in getting rid of that person, right? Maybe there'll be a silver lining, you know, from Leah. You never know. Okay, let's talk about Brandy. So Brandy is suing Andy for basically sexual harassment or inappropriateness, you know, because he, um, you know, called her on like a FaceTime, I guess, and was with another Bravo celebrity, who we now know is Kate Chastain, and was like, you know, asking if she wanted to watch them have sex. So first, it just came out like this, like headline, 
you know, this really, you know, like kind of clickbaity headline. Well, I guess it wasn't clickbaity because that was all we knew at the time. But it was like, you know, Brandy says that Andy called him and asked him to watch, asked her to watch him have sex with another Bravo celebrity. So listen, my mind was spinning. I was like, oh, my God, who is it? Who is it? My first thought was Joe Gorga. Not going to lie, just because like there's always that rumor joke kind of going around. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, why? If Andy was hooking up with like, you know, a male Bravo celebrity, which I assumed it was a male because Andy's gay. I'm like, why would he want Brandy to watch? And then I was like, that's odd. Like it just it just like it didn't ring true to me. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, maybe it was like just like a dumb joke that went too far. And that's kind of what it ended up being, because then Andy admits that this did happen and says the video shows Kate Chastain and I very clearly joking to Brandy. It was absolutely meant in jest. And Brandy's response clearly communicated she was in on the joke. That said, it was totally inappropriate. And I apologize. So then Brandy responded to that and said, I have not received a personal apology from anyone. I saw an apology that Andy posted to his fans in capitals for his mistreatment of me and appropriateness. Here's the thing. If she was in on the joke, it's kind of hard to say that she deserves an apology. You know, again, should he be making these like sexual type of jokes with people who are employees or below him? No, he shouldn't. But the fact that Kate Chastain was there and they called her together, that does change it a little bit for me. Like if it was like just Andy calling on his own or him and like another executive, like out of a higher level. But the fact that like Kate was in on it was like they were all kind of joking together. I don't know. It's not as bombshell-ish as it seems when you first read the headline, right? So that's one of those things. And again, like, should Andy be doing that? No, he still shouldn't be doing that. And I would hope that he's learned and that he will not do it again now that he sees what can happen, because you never know who's going to turn on you. You really don't. (laughs) And also, as many, many people have pointed out online, you know, this could just be a deflection from Brandy's, you know, Brandy being accused of sexual assault. So there's that. So again, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for Brandy to get people to take that seriously, especially because we know like Andy wouldn't actually want to do anything sexual with Kate Chastain. It's going to be hard for people to take that seriously when they know that Brandy is in the middle of a lawsuit because she's being sued for sexual assault and the details came out from Caroline Manzo and you know, they're pretty specific and believable to be frank. Okay. So let's go on to the next lawsuit. I I divided this into lawsuits today instead of by shows like I usually do. Um, because the other big lawsuit that dropped was, which I was not expecting. I think This, I would say, was the most shocking of the three. But this was Rachel suing Tom and Ariana from Vanderpump Rules. Now, what's shocking to me about this lawsuit is that she's suing Ariana. 
I thought a long time ago she should have sued Tom Sandoval for her screen recording, um, you know, the video of her and saving it in his phone, which he was not supposed to do. However, you know, she's suing Ariana as well, which to me is a little, I don't know. I, I think that's wrong. So, okay, let's talk about the details first. So the lawsuit is seeking a jury trial. And the complaint basically says that, you know, the whole Scandoval thing, which had like massive attention from the public, caused mayhem in Levis's life, culminating in months long inpatient treatment at a mental health facility and her departure from the show. Although, I mean, that's a little bit of a contradiction because I would like, according to her, the departure from the show is a good thing for her life. But OK, um, but I, I, I understand that she means the time in the mental health facility um, fomented by Bravo and Evolution in conjunction with the cast. Levis was subjected to a public skewering with little precedent. OK, little precedent. Um and became, without exaggeration, one of the most hated women in America. Okay, so again, another person who is just loves being the victim and wants to be the victim. The skewering be, was because of your actions, Rachel, okay? That was why it happened. The season had already filmed. And you were actually edited and made out as the hero. <laughs> like people were like, if it wasn't for people finding out about the affair, which was all off camera and like kind of like, you know, leaked on the, um, you know, because Ariana called the producers or whatever. But that wasn't what the whole season was about. But if it wasn't for that, people wouldn't have been like spending the whole season looking for all those clues, etc. People would have been on like poor little Rachel's side getting bullied by Lala and Katie and whatever. That's what about what would have been happening. A hundred percent. She was getting like the redemption. You know, I was with James and now I'm my own strong woman and I've grown and matured. And like that was the edit she was getting, if anything, <laughs> and still got. Like, OK, so and then she became, without exaggeration, one of the most hated women in America. Well, Bravo can't control that. You became that because you slept with your friend's boyfriend for seven months. <laughs> like, OK. Then, you know, it talks about the behind the scene things that happened um, and that the ex-VPR star wants all copies of the sex tape destroyed and an injunction to shut down anyone ever seeing it again. And that NBC used Bravo and producers, um, Amazon, MGM Studios, Evolution Media. So... Okay, so that, yes, I agree with this. If there are copies of that video, they should be destroyed. And they should not be, you know, being distributed, etc. I thought that she already filed something about that. About, like, so that they couldn't distribute it. I also, here's the thing that's confusing to me is, are people distributing it? Like... It, Ariana has been asked about this and has clearly said that 
she's not distributed it or showed it to anyone. So yes, even like, it's not like Tom Sandoval sent it to her. She saw it in Tom's phone because she was holding his phone, right? Now, I believe, now I could be wrong because there's been so many details about Scandoval, it's hard to keep them straight, but I believe that she had like maybe saved a copy of it or sent it to herself so that she could like use it against Tom Sandoval. Like, don't try to like, you know, like, what is this? Don't try to talk your way out of it or whatever. May I could even be wrong about that, right? But like, there's this whole thing that Rachel's been saying this whole time that like, it's like, you know, there's Ariana has copies of it and she's like sending it to everyone. But I really don't think that that's happening. One, because I am more likely to believe Ariana, who has not lied over the two people who have lied nonstop for the last year, <laughs> like up until the reunion and after, <laughs> and have been caught in those lies. But again, if Rachel wants proof and legal reassurance that the video has been destroyed so that she doesn't have to worry and stress about it anymore, I can understand that. Like, I can give her that and I'm not criticizing her for that. Um, okay, so but the lawsuit continues and says it's clear that Bravo deliberately sacrificed Levis for the sake of its commercial interest from its refusal to allow her the opportunity to tell her side of the story and defend herself, which she repeatedly begged for, for permission to do. I'm sorry. That is just complete and utter BS. That is one of the most blatant lies I've seen in a long time. Like, she was given so many. Not only was she given the reunion, she was given a one-on-one -on -one sit down. And then she was also given an additional confessional after the fact to talk about even more, where she used it to, you know, throw Tom Sandoval under the bus, basically, um, about how long the affair had been going on. But she has told her story a million times, okay? Like, outside of, like, the reunion, the confessionals, the one-on-one -on -one with Andy, she told her little story to the TMZ setup, she's told it on podcasts, her own, and Bethany's, like, like I don't know what part of the story is left that she thinks that all of a sudden, if we hear it, everyone's mind is going to change. It's not... Bravo and Evolution Media's fault that Raquel didn't do a good job in articulating why this is all Tom Sandoval's fault. Listen, we were all like, yeah, give us more dirt. Tell us why Tom Sandoval is the real perpetrator and all the stuff that he was doing behind the scenes. But she didn't do that. Like, she gave us a little bit on that very last interview you know, about her like sleeping with him while Ariana was at the, her grandmother's funeral or whatever. But like she could have thrown him under the bus way bigger than that. But like she she was the one who was choosing to stay loyal to him at that reunion. She could have thrown him under the bus so much harder at the reunion with everyone. And she didn't. She instead she was like trying to deflect and because she was still under his spell. But again, that's her own fault. Okay. And if she can sue anyone for that, maybe Tom Sandoval. Like, it's not everyone's fault that you were dumb and you got manipulated by this guy. 
I like I just like it's like the lack of accountability and self-awareness is astounding to me. So it's a 19 page complaint. And she goes on to say that what you saw on um, Vanderpump Rules 10th season uh, may not have been all that was going on. Okay, so tell us. You can tell us right now. And she has been, too. Now that she has her own podcast, week every single week, she's telling, like, her version of things and, you know, her behind-the-scenes stuff and da-da-da. And, like, she hasn't said anything that's made her role in this any better because like she told that whole story about like the night the first night that they hooked up and and like I think she told that story kind of thinking that we would all see that it was all Tom's manipulation but like yeah we saw that but again we also saw your side and your role in it which you still need to take accountability for like it's like this desperation to be the victim I just like take the loss you made a mistake. You owned up to it. Like she owned up to it more than Sandoval did, even though since she's apologized and owned up to it, she's also just nonstop making excuses for why it wasn't her fault. But anyways, plaintiff Rachel Levis is a former cast member on Vanderpump Rules. Um, I'm just seeing if there's anything else. It went viral. And, you know, they talk about causing its viewership to explode to unseen levels and making its cast members mega celebrities. Okay, well, calm down there. I wouldn't say that. Like, you know, it's not like like my parents don't know who they are or whatever. (laughs) Okay, so um, due to a narrative deliberately uh, fomented by Bravo Evolution and the cast, Levis became an object of public scorn and ridicule. No, due to the narrative that happened that you created because you slept with your friend's man. You did that. And it's a reality show. The narrative of the show is whatever's happening in those people's lives. The what was happening in your life, you made happen when you chose to sleep with Tom Sandoval. Right. And then the show covers that. Right. Yeah. Did Bravo make money off of it and capitalize it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But even Bravo, I honestly don't even think Bravo and Evolution knew it was going to become what it became. It became what it became because it was such a relatable story. So many people have known someone who's like, you know, been cheated on in that type of way. And, you know, so many people have had like a friend who that's happened to or whatever. And it's like it's it was one of those things. It was a scandal that was like. It was like a serious thing, but not like so serious, you know, like it wasn't something like, you know, racism or like sexual assault, right? Like it was a cheating. It was like, you know, it was kind of something people could like sink their teeth into the drama without it feeling like too dark, you know? And don't get me wrong, it did start to get dark as things went on and there was like the mental health stuff and all that. I'm just saying at the beginning, um, but like to kind of put it all on the production company and Bravo, guess what? If you just hadn't done it, none of this would have happened. Like the, and it's very, that's why this lawsuit, like, I just don't think holds water. Like, okay. Then it says to be clear, Levis has repeatedly acknowledged that her actions were morally objectionable, objectionable and deeply hurtful to Maddox. Yeah, we know. Okay. She's offered numerous apologies. Yeah, but they're all apologies with a but at the end. 
Like, I'm sorry I did it, but I was naive, but right. So anyways, whatever. Um, there's more to the story, however. Lost in the mix was that Levis was a victim of the predatory and dishonest behavior of an older man. That was not lost in the mix. Not only was that not lost in the mix, it's still being discussed. <laughs> like, people are still talking about how Sandoval is a narcissistic abuser who did that to Ariana and then also did it to Rachel and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he's being criticized nonstop every week by Bravo fans and the New York Times as well, by the way. Um, so lost in the mix was that Levis was a victim of the predatory and dishonest behavior of an older man who recorded sexually explicit videos of her without her knowledge or consent, which were then distributed, uh, disseminated and discussed publicly by a scorned woman seeking vengeance, catalyzing the scandal. Okay, I have 900 problems with this, but I'll just give you the main ones. First of all, the whole thing about the older man, like, okay, he's older than her. He's 40. I'm 40. Okay, let's not pretend that this is like a 75-year-old man dating an 18-year-old. And that is what they're how they're trying to spin it. Okay. I've been friends, I am friends with people who have a 10-year age difference who are married. It's not like it's not that crazy. I could give it to her if he was like in his 50s even. But like a 40-year-old and a 28-year-old, that's not, I'm sorry. That's not like, like they're trying to, you know, infantilize her and make it out like she's a child. If she was like 20 or 19 or 18, then yeah, I could buy into it. She's almost 30. Okay. <laughs> like this, She's an adult. Is she the smartest adult? Maybe not, but I would say Tom Sandoval's not either. Um, now, what she does have a case with and what is absolutely valid is that he screen recorded the sexually explicit video of her, okay, without her knowledge or consent. So she consented to the sexual act, but she didn't consent to it being recorded, okay? So I fully agree with her suing Tom Sandoval for that. And if anyone deserves to be sued, it's him, <laughs> right? Um, what I don't agree with is this, which was which were distributed, disseminated, and discussed publicly by a scorned woman seeking vengeance. I really don't think she would do that. Because, like, listen, there's a lot of people who I would think would do that. Sheena would do that. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm just going to say it. Sheena would do that. Like, I really think she would. Do I think Ariana would do that? I really don't think Ariana would. I really, really don't. Like, I feel it in my gut. I don't think Ariana is the type to, like, I'm mad. So, you know, let me send this out to people. What I could see is that she had it on her phone because she sent herself a copy or whatever, you know, to when she was, you know, going to confront Tom or whatever the case was, or as like, you know, proof. But again, she shouldn't have done that if she did do that. But again, I don't know if she did that. And she says that she didn't. Right? Like, so this whole idea of her like passing it around and whatever. Now the discussed publicly part is again, like, it was discussed publicly, but that's Tom's fault. 
because Tom's screen recorded it. And that's how he got caught for cheating. Right? So when Ariana said, I found a video of her, he cheated on me, I found a video of her masturbating on his phone. Like Ariana doesn't know in that moment that that was taken without Rachel's consent, right? Like if I found that video in my husband's phone, let's just say, I would assume that whoever sent it to him recorded themselves and sent it to him and that it was consensual, right? So I don't even like, do you, I don't think that would have been one of Ariana's first questions. Like, hey, Tom, I found this video in your phone. Does she know you recorded this? Like, no, of course, Ariana's going to assume, since it's Rachel especially, is going to assume, oh, my God, these two are having an affair and they're sending each other, like, you know, videos of each other naked and doing stuff. And that's like their thing. That's probably what she thought. So she probably didn't even think about, you know, if Tom recorded it with or without permission, because that probably wasn't the first question on her mind. She was too busy you know, crying and screaming at Tom and trying to find out what the hell and, you know, why he cheated on her and, you know, what the F. Now, again, is it outside of the realm of possibility that Ariana, when she was at home, heartbroken, crying or whatever, that maybe like one of her friends came over and she was like, look at this video that she sent him. I guess that could happen. Again, I don't really see her doing that, but anything's possible. And, you know, Rachel has yet to provide any sort of evidence that this video has been passed around or that a lot of ton of people have copies of it. And the reason that it's mostly hard for me to believe that it's been sent to another person or multiple people is that it hasn't leaked. Because with all the hoopla and everything going on, I do think that if it was sent around to a lot of people, it would have made its way to the internet. I just really think so. Sorry, that might sound like really jaded. But I guess I don't have a lot of faith in humanity. Let's just say that. Okay. And then just think the, the, the calling Ariana a scorned woman seeking vengeance. Like, I, I didn't, I have not seen in general Ariana doing anything that I would consider seeking vengeance. All she's done is lived her best life since this happened. Okay, like taking opportunities, going on Dancing with the Stars, etc. Did she cuss Rachel out at the reunion? Yeah, but that's only because there was a reunion and that's what reunions are. If there wasn't a reunion, you know, I don't think that that would have, I don't think Ariana would have been like, I'm going to go key her car and slash her tires and find some type of revenge or I'm going to go to her house and force her to sit down while I yell at her and eviscerate her. Like that was only because they're on this unique reality TV situation. Like that really is real. Okay. So yes, she eviscerated her with words at the reunion. Fine. But in fair, again, in fairness to Ariana, she was eviscerated with people's actions that tore her apart and actions, you know, actions speak louder than words. So again, like, I don't like this whole, like, painting it out like this is Ariana's fault when it's not. Okay. Sue Tom, he deserves it. <laughs> we all know that. And again, he's the one who did this. So she's got a case when it comes to Sandoval. The thing with Ariana is going to be, that's going to be tough to argue. Okay, then it says to make matters worse, Levis was misled by Bravo and Evolution into believing that she was contractually barred 
from speaking out about her mistreatment. As a result, she suffered in silence as Bravo and Evolution watched viewership explode. Here's the thing is like both both of these things can be true, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're related, right? Like Bravo's viewership didn't explode because Rachel was not able to speak out. It just exploded because the scandal was big and because, you know, a lot of people related to it and, you know, people love mess for lack of a better term, right? Um, but, you know, because of that, viewership exploded. But if Rachel had spoke out more, if anything, it would have just like helped it. It's kind of like a logical fallacy, like they're acting like if Rachel had been able to speak out and, you know, talk about her mistreatment, then the reaction to the scandal wouldn't have been as intense or whatever. But like, I just don't think that's true. And, you know, you can't prove a negative as well. We don't know. As a result, she suffered in silence. Okay, so meanwhile, Levis, who was humiliated and villainized for public consumption. I mean, yeah, she was villainized. She, yeah, she villainized herself. Because <laughs> um, she certainly wasn't the villain before that. Like, she actually would have kind of been the hero that season if she hadn't slept with Tom Sandoval. That's kind of the, again, that's that key line that they just keep missing. Um, remains a shell of her former self. Interesting, because she says that she's in on her podcast that she's in the best place and that she's so much mentally healthier. She's healing. She's stronger than she ever was. She walked at New York Fashion Week and said she's like overcome so much and she's the OK, but whatever. With her career prospects stunted and her reputation in tatters. Well, she was offered a job with a raise on the show and she turned it down. And I don't think that this would mean that she can never work again for the rest of her life. No. And now she's also got a very lucrative podcast that she's making a lot of money off of. <laughs> there are people with much smaller podcasts who are making money off of them and like living off content creation and stuff. So somebody like her who's getting you know, hundreds of thousands of downloads and out big advertising money and has been signed under Bethany's little podcast company or whatever the hell. She's, it sounds like her career is okay, at least for now. And then this will blow over like everything else. And if she wants to go back and be a speech therapist or whatever she originally wanted to do, she'll be able to do it. Okay. She hasn't even gone back to school to get the master's that she needs to do it anyways. Remember, she said she was going to do that and then didn't. Just saying. So. There's, you know, a lot of audacity continuing in the Vanderpump Rules world. Speaking of Vanderpump Rules, though, let's move to something that's not a lawsuit for a second. Okay, so let's talk about Brittany and Jax. Oh, my God. So just when I thought, literally, I opened my phone for Instagram and I saw um, the news about Rachel suing. And I was like, oh, my God. And then you know, when you like pull down your, your feed on Instagram and it refreshes and then it popped up with the Jackson Brittany thing. I was like, ah, okay. So Jackson Brittany are allegedly, well, not allegedly they are, they're taking time apart. I was going to say allegedly, cause I was going to say they broke up, but Brittany is not, you know, admitting that it's a breakup. She's going with the, like, we're on a break narrative. Okay, so, 
you know, she said this on podcast, so confirmed by Brittany on uh, her podcast. If you want to listen, it's the timestamp is 43 minutes and 14 seconds. But, you know, it's like a lot like it, it takes Brittany a lot of words to say something that's pretty straightforward. OK, like she dances around it quite a bit. But, you know, I've pulled out the part that you need. OK, because God listening to her on a podcast is truly painful. I don't know how her and Jax have a podcast. Like, I just, oh God, <laughs> it's just, I just, I find her the way she talks very annoying. Okay. So yes, marriages in general are very hard. And I've had a particularly rough year in mine this past, in mine this past year. Jax and I are taking time apart and I made the decision to move into another home that's the shocking part, right? To take some space for the sake of my mental health. I won't get into too many details right now because this is still very hard to talk about and I'm taking things one day at a time. I don't know what the future holds, but right now my focus is on being the best mom to cruise and I love you guys. Pray for us and everything will be just fine. We're good. Okay, so you're not good though if you're living in a different house. Um, I mean, they're done. Let's just, I'm just, my prediction, right? I think a break is often, you know, a stopover on the way to break up. It sucks because like normally I would just be like, whatever. But since they have a kid, that's where I get a little like, oh, like I do feel bad. When there's a kid involved, I I just feel bad. I really do because I can't help but think of my own daughter. Um, you know, I, I know their kid's pretty young, but still. Like, it's just, it's confusing for the kid. They don't know why. They don't understand. But then on the other side, is Brittany probably better off? Yeah. Like, I just can't. Listen, I don't, Jax might be a great dad and good as a parent, but do I think he's a good husband? Probably not. <laughs> Let's be real. It's Jax. Do I think, I'm asking a lot of questions to myself and answering them today. Has he probably cheated? Yeah, I would say he has. And maybe, you know, it's like she found out this time. Right. So the story goes, this is the word on the street, quote unquote, that him and the Toms, it always every problem goes back to the Toms, doesn't it? OK, so that they were out, the three of them gallivanting as they once were and, you know, having a boys night and that, you know, Jack's cheated. Now, to me, that sounds a little too, like, convenient and simple. I, you know, I could see that probably he's messed up a few times and maybe she's just like, I can't take it anymore or that's the last straw. You know, I could see something like that. But just the fact that, like, it's funny, right? Like, first, Tom and Katie, Tom Schwartz and Katie, then Tom Sandoval and Ariana, and now Jackson Brittany. Like, it's like... It's it was like a domino effect, right? It was like one by one. And they're like, oh, the three of us are single. Like, let's go wild. Like, I almost wonder if Jax was like, oh, man, the Toms are single. Like, I want to go backwards, too. It's just sad because, you know, Jax made a child, which sucks for Cruz and Brittany. Um, so, yeah, I get why she doesn't want to give a lot of details and stuff right now. You know, that being said, their show The Valley dropped its um 
little trailer, which is a little lackluster, if I'm going to be honest. I watched it. I was like, meh. But it could also be because I don't know all the cast. So, you know, you know, sometimes like since you don't know certain people or care about them, you're like, you know, you see them yelling at each other. You're like, whatever. Um, you know, so maybe once we know them more, it'll be more interesting. Am I? I am more interested to watch it now, though. I am more interested to watch it now knowing this because, you know, it'll be a little like, let's look for some clues and, you know, see where they're at at the reunion. I mean, I was going to watch it anyways because, you know, I create Bravo content and do the podcast and stuff like that. So I was going to watch it no matter what, but I'm more excited to watch it now. I will say that. (laughs) I got it, you know, just to be honest. Okay, so we do need to shift back into lawsuit land, but still Vanderpump Rules related because Tom Sandoval denies Ariana Maddox's request to sell home they share, claims she did not act reasonably and in good faith. I, I'm not sure exactly what that means. However, basically, you know, Ariana's lawyer has made a request that they, you know, sell the house and you know, split the profits and kind of walk away with what they put into it, I believe. And I guess he's saying that, you know, she she didn't act reasonably. She owes him money. So he's been claiming that she owes him like $90,000. So like, and who knows? Like, I don't know where he's getting that number from, right? And she even says in the after show like she will pay him back if he shows her like an itemized breakdown because i guess since they took out the lien or the the loan against the house you know the payments have had to because of that come out of his account and you know she was i guess when they were a couple you know she was just like you know giving him money for that stuff and maybe not questioning it as much but now since this whole thing happened she wants to know exactly like where the money is going which i think is reasonable right because are we trusting this man no right and on top of that he he's not good with money like i'm sorry but i i can just tell this guy lets money just slip through his fingers he blew 10 grand on someone else's engagement. And then there's a preview for next week about, you know, how uh, with Sheena saying that like one thing he did for her during the pandemic when she was struggling was he, she didn't ask for it, but she randomly woke up one day and he had like Venmoed her or whatever, um, a few thousand dollars to help her out. Which, yes, when you look at that on surface level, it's like, oh, wow, that's like a really nice thing to do to help a friend. But there is a part of me because everyone has always thought it was strange, including myself, that he would pay for um, James's engagement and just the way like he blows money on stuff that he does have some type of like compulsion when it comes to spending. And I do kind of think he uses it like sort of as a way to you know, buy people's friendships and keep them close to the, to him, right? Because it's kind of like, well, okay, so like, you know, when I need someone on my side and to back me up, you know, you'll be there, right? Because remember how like generous I am and like he, that did kind of work for a while, right? Like 
with James. Um, it worked. It's working right now with Sheena. And, you know, I'm not trying to get into like total conspiracy theories here, but if there's anyone I wouldn't put that past in terms like that's a pretty deep level of manipulation, but I wouldn't put it past Sandoval. I'd put it. There's a lot of people I'd be like, nah, they wouldn't have thought that much into it. Sandoval, I would. I would I would definitely think that about him. Right. And he is one as well who's very into like appearances, material things, the way things look on the surface. Like he's like so much takes so much time with like his hair and his stuff. And like he sees that as like a representation of value and worth. Right. So I could see him like equating, you know, giving money to people with like how good of a friend he is. Right. So, you know, even if he's maybe not the best friend in other ways. So, yeah. Point of that whole long tangent is Ariana should get a breakdown of stuff. And it's also, again, just hard for me to believe, like, where's this 90 grand coming from? Like, where's he getting that number? Like, okay, last week I bought you a latte and then I bought toilet paper those two weeks and I bought batteries and pens and you didn't 90 grand. <laughs> like, you've got to have a little bit more than that, Sandoval. Okay. Um, now SNL, by the way, roasted uh, Sandoval. So even though they were making fun of him, I bet you he's secretly happy about it. But they did like a little skit. It was part of their, um, you know, they, how they have that segment where they do like the news. And they had this like, cold guy who I think was supposed to be like the winter frost or whatever, something like that. And basically, like he was they made fun of how Sandoval made the comparison to George Floyd in the New York Times. So, yep. The ripple effect of Scandoval continues. <laughs> All right. What is our next story for today? Okay. Um, oh, yes. So let's talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for a little bit because, you know, the first part of the reunion aired. And in that part, we see Dorit releasing texts that she got from Kyle before the reunion started. And Dorit felt like these texts were, you know, manipulating her and basically like texts that were trying to silence Dorit because her and Kyle, you know, are having kind of an off-screen beef in the sense that they hadn't spoken. And then all of a sudden the day before the reunion, you know, Kyle texts her and is like, I don't really think we need to talk about this. You know, they don't even know we're having an issue. And yeah, so listen, I'm not going to go into like a big long thing about it, but long story short, I read the text a few times. I, I agree with Dorit. I didn't agree with Dorit with really anything at the reunion except her beef with Kyle. Um, but I do think that it was passive aggressive and it was manipulative and she was trying to shut her up, right? Because Kyle, you know, didn't want more heat on herself at the reunion. And I do kind of think like it, it gives Dorit more of a storyline. And I get the impression that Kyle's maybe trying to like push her out. <laughs> and so, and maybe she won't be pushed out now because she's got a storyline, which is her and Kyle's friendship, right? And that plus PK mm, could be Dorit squeezing one more season out, right? And Dorit needs it. Let's be honest. Okay. 
So there's that. Now I do go into full detail and analyze the text and, you know, give my like complete thoughts on it on Patreon, like I said at the beginning. So if you're interested, patreon.com slash Bravo and Botox. Um, I think I recorded like an hour and 20 minute episode. So talking about Beverly Hills and Summerhouse. Um, so if you're interested, check it out. Okay. Now, the thing that really stuck out to me, though, that I really want to talk about in relation to that is that, um, you know, Bethany, of course, has some strong opinions about this. So she, of course, did what she does and made a TikTok or whatever. And, you know, says that she's, you know, disgusted that um, Dorit would air Kyle's private text. Okay, I got to talk about this. Bethany is disgusted that somebody would release texts from somebody else. Bethany, who on the air recorded with cameras, here's a picture, Luann, of your fiancé making out with someone at the Regency. And let me wait until cameras are up and not give you a heads up and tell you ahead of time and show these texts Okay, in a devastating way. Now, I understand those weren't like Luann's texts, but those were sensitive information sent to Bethany that she then shared on air. And I'm sorry, but that's just one example. Okay, give me some time. I can find a hundred more like sharing texts and receipts like that's become a norm. Right, like there are literally reunions where you have two housewives on either side of Andy holding their phones in his face with their like, look at that with their proof. Bethany was one of those. Her um reunion with Carol, she's like holding up the text. She's like, see, huh? Like texts have become a thing. Now I get it because it's Kyle. And Kyle's so good at like making herself the like poor little victim all the time that I guess maybe even Bethany's buying into that. But again, but she's not. Let's be honest. She's not buying into it. The only reason Bethany's even saying anything about this is because it helps to feed her like reality reckoning narrative of the toxicity of the show and blah, blah, blah. So the other thing in relation to this story as well is the idea of Morgan and Kyle, and Kyle blaming, kind of blaming and implying that, you know, some of the media circus and hoopla around her and Morgan's relationship is because of Dory. I got to call BS on this. I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to let this woman gaslight us anymore. She has spent the last few months calling paparazzi to take pictures of her and Morgan in Aspen, in Paris, in all these places where, like, I'm sorry, but the the paparazzi are not following Kyle around everywhere. Like, yeah, maybe she'll get a random shot of her once or twice, but like, it's literally like every week, not to mention the, you know, professional photography glamour shot level pictures of her and um, Mauricio and her kids in Aspen that I'm supposed to believe are random paparazzi shots. Give me a break. Okay, she has and then she makes this music video where she's like practically making out with Morgan and it's all like sexual. And then she's like, you know, going to her shows and they're like canoodling and this and that. And it's Dorit's fault. For like one comment in a confessional. 
or for Dorit, like making a joke of like, oh, do I have to get your, you know, do I have to tattoo your initial on my arm in order to spend time with you? Like that is not what is causing this, Kyle. Like, give me a break. So there is a blind though floating around kind of in relation to that, that this is from Dumois. Um, subject loved up. The country music singer is set to premiere their relationship in a very public way. The loved up pair shot a highly coveted magazine cover, which will drop shortly and be a shock to many. Okay, so allegedly that is Kyle and Morgan. I mean, we're going to be like, oh, they admitted it finally. In terms of it being a shock to many, uh, I think that's a little bit too much artistic license taken on that email. Um, Will it shock me? No. The only thing that'll shock me is that Kyle admitted it. <laughs> that'll shock me. <laughs> but in terms of like the fact that they're together, like, no, the writing's on the wall. I mean, again, I, I wouldn't be shocked either way. There, to me, in my head, there's as much chance that they are really together as there is that it's all a publicity stunt, right? It's a 50-50 shot, so neither result will shock me. And it's also interesting to note um, that, okay, so the account that originally kind of blew up the whole Kyle and Morgan thing, which was at Face Reality 16, and if you don't follow them, you should, because they're great at Face Reality 16. You know, they do a lot of like deep dives and internet sleuthing and stuff like that. So they were the ones who kind of put together like the original um, deep dive with all the evidence that Mauricio and Kyle, uh, you know, might be split up right? And might be separated and that Kyle might have this relationship with Morgan. So, you know, one of the discussions on the finale was who leaked the separation story. Okay. Um, and Face Reality 16 did a little more digging and they have like a, I don't know if they added it to their highlights, but they had a few stories about this. They have a post about it for sure. So you can go see their post. Um, basically saying Kyle and Morgan both watched my entire deep dive days before the separation was quote unquote leaked to people. Okay. So then she has screenshots of who was watching her deep dive and her stories. And of course, Morgan Wade, Kyle is there or both there watching it. Right. So yeah, it seems like pretty suspect, right? It's like, you know, Kyle knew that this theory was going around and, you know, there was, everybody was talking about it. People were suspecting it. And then all of a sudden the story leaks. And again, you know, and I talked about this on my Patreon, if something is put out, you know, if People Magazine put out, puts a story out, it, that means the source is reliable because People Magazine is kind of prides themselves on only taking like reliable concrete sources, right? Like they're not just going to take like, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend or like, you know, they're like dogs, the dog walker or whatever. Like they're going to take, it's going to have to be somebody who they can guarantee and otherwise they won't put it out, right? So the fact that it's People Magazine and the other thing that kind of tipped me off was on the finale, Kyle was saying how Mauricio was more concerned about who the source was and how the story got leaked, whereas she, Kyle said she was more concerned about just how it was affecting them, which, of course, because if you leaked it, you don't want to focus on how it got out, right? You just 
it's out who cares let's just focus on you know our family and and how we're reacting to it very convenient right so to me like that was kind of a tell okay it was like in my opinion the two of them probably had a fight about it because i bet you mauricio knew that it was her or morgan and kyle probably didn't want to admit it which fine i guess she doesn't owe him anything if he's been cheating all these years but i guess kyle didn't want to admit it and she just you know deflected right and that's a good deflection too because it makes her look like the good person right the one who oh i just care about our daughters and it makes him look like you know maybe like the one who only cares about his image okay but i think she was misrepresenting it i think he probably knew on some level it was her maybe they fought about it and that was what really happened right and again if i was guilty of leaking it I wouldn't want to focus on who leaked it either. I'd want to focus on something else, right? In other Beverly Hills news, there is an update with Erica Girardi. Um, so Ronald Richards, the attorney, posted on Twitter the other day. I'm going to read it here. Devastating day for Erica Girardi. To our surprise, the federal court, in a short opinion, denied her slap motion to dismiss Christopher Salia's case. Um, Erica Jane will now face a trial on allegations she falsely got her costume designer charged. Nothing is ever a lock in court. Congrats to Marco Marco. This is one of her worst losses as she won't be able to delay this trial and the facts are bad for her. So if you watch The Housewife and the Hustler Part 2, um, a big part of it and a part that's got a lot of people really upset in the audience, including myself, and a part that also just reminded us that Erica's kind of a bad person or that she is a bad person is what she did to this poor designer okay so christopher salia accuses this is from the la times accuses erica girardi and her estranged husband of having weaponized the secret service to maliciously prosecute him in 2017 to secure a seven hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollar refund from american express at a time when the girardi family was in desperate financial straits Okay, so basically, Salia is the co-owner of a costume merchant, Marco Marco, and they design outfits for a variety of pop stars, and he was making outfits for Erica Girardi, okay, along with her assistant and choreographer, and they had, you know, purchased a lot of costumes and services from them in 2015 and 16. So this was like kind of like the height of her like Erica Jane-ness, I guess. Um, and then the you know, Marco Marco or whatever, they charged stuff to the American Express. Okay. So charges that were owed to them and for buying like supplies. And like, this is like Erica doing her, like, I have to have like the best of the best and the most quality and everything's going to be designer and me, me, me. Right. Um, and I guess basically Erica and Tom said that the charges were unauthorized Okay. And Tom had some friend, Tom Girardi, in the Secret Service and used that connection to go after this guy, which resulted in his business falling apart, him losing everything and going to jail. Like, just so that, and because of that, they got, so it was $787,000 of charges and Erica and Tom got that money back. And then I'm sure Erica spent it on glam or whatever she spent it on like i'm sorry but just in case you forgot erica's a terrible person 
I know she's like thinner all of a sudden and is like trying to have the and, and there is a reason I'm saying that because I feel like she like lost weight and a lot of people are like think of her as a different person. I really think that that happens. Right. I think people do get tricked subconsciously more than they think by appearances and then people think she was like so funny the way she told off Denise and blah 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 and fine fine that was a funny read but at the end of the day Erica sucks and she's terrible and I, like I hope that she gets in crap for this because this poor guy and what he went through you know it's not like they it's like with all the stuff with the victims no they couldn't get her on that and again, I still think she knew to some extent. I think it, yes, was it mostly Tom's fault? Yes, but did she still know to some extent? And was she still profiting off it to some extent? Yeah. Okay, but this, like, this is on her just as much as it's on Tom. And I hope they do nail her on this. I really do. Okay. Okay, so so much going on I can't get like how long is this episode I'm sorry everyone it's just this is how much news there is there's like I can't do anything okay some weeks I'm like oh 30 minutes that's not very long because there's nothing happening okay so the next story is one that I like listen I had to cut a couple smaller things because of all the big stuff but I could not cut this one this is I've been waiting for this one I have been waiting since Bronwyn was on OC. I've been waiting for this one. Listen, as many of the fans have said, and as we've always maintained, this woman is, she's a narcissist. I'm sorry. The way she treated her kids on that show, you know, the like forcing her husband to still be with her even after she came out and was like, had a girlfriend and was leaving him, but then not wanting him to date anyone else. And like, it was just all... It was it was all very weird, you know, and you can see that her mother is a true and I'm not using the term narcissist like the way that we use it as like an insult um, or like, you know, people use it like flippantly. Right. No, these are like true personality disorder here with Bronwyn and her mom. Right. Just like even there were scenes where her daughter would like try to talk about the pressure on her in dance and her eating disorder. And it was like and Bronwyn would just turn it into being about her. Right. There's even that famous clip of Gina being like, it's not about you, Bronwyn. Right. Like this. This is that. OK. So, you know, Bronwyn had this whole story in Us Weekly. And this is what she wrote. OK. Miss Narcissist. Thank you, Us Weekly. Because, again, we know she's thirsty AF. Right. Always trying to get back on Housewives, hang out with Housewives, get in magazines, call paparazzi on herself. This article comes at the end of the hardest three years of my life. I've kept quiet about so much, but after a late night phone call from my ex's girlfriend, where I realized he was continuing the cycle of abuse and manipulation, I knew I couldn't keep talking around it. To do so would be to allow the cycle of abuse to continue. I married young. Back then, I didn't understand what being married to a narcissist meant. They Narcissists love calling other people narcissists. Notice that? <laughs> Like Bronwyn loved to call her mother that. She happened to be right. Tom Sandoval tries to deflect and call Lala that. Like, I'm just saying they do that a lot. Okay. Um, I didn't understand what. Okay. So I didn't have the words to articulate the financial and emotional abuse I suffered. 
I was put down, called names, told that my memories weren't right and would get told lies that made no sense but wouldn't question. I was made to feel crazy. It's taken intense therapy to understand what this has done to me. Okay, and then she goes on and on. We break the cycle by sharing our story. So here's mine. Okay. Um, and again, like the fact that her castmates, and I'm not saying her castmates are like perfect, great people, but the fact that they were kind of questioning her authenticity when it came to her alcoholism like that was a bit of a red flag to me as well because usually people wouldn't question that but you could tell that they all thought she was doing her attention and a narcissist would they would make something like that up they just would they'll use anything okay so and if there's someone I'm definitely going to believe it's the children who are now older <laughs> so uh Rowan her daughter, the one who talked about her eating disorder and like OCD and all that, reposted her mom to her Instagram, like her mom's post that I just read to her Instagram and wrote, all of this is lies. <laughs> Every last bit. And it is disgusting. If anyone had my original post, please send it to me. I didn't screenshot what I said in time. My dad is not the narcissist quite the opposite. Stop with the lies, mother. I'm done. We're all done with capital A-L-L. And then if that's not enough for you, her son, Jacob, has something to say as well. Hi, it's Jacob, Bronwyn's son. I'm the one who did drag on the show. My mother is an abuser, liar, and manipulator. I believe in second chances, but not 20th chances. My mom will not be happy about me writing this. To be honest, I'm quite scared. But she has been harassing my dad for many years now. And last time she called me, she just yelled at me for talking to my dad's girlfriend. So I don't know. Bye. Gonna log off of Insta for another three years. <laughs> okay. Wow. So yeah, Bronwyn's kids are speaking out, you know, for the dad, obviously supporting him. Listen. When I watched the two of them on that show, I didn't see an abuser and a narcissist in him, but I saw it in her. And I can only go by what I've seen. And now we've got two of her kids, older ones, speaking out. And I, listen, I will not be surprised at all if as the younger ones get older and come into their own, that they will probably also speak out. And again, it's not crazy that... I mean, clearly Bronwyn's mother is a narcissist and it is not crazy at all that she's raised one as well. Because you either go the opposite way when you have a dysfunctional parent like that or you become it, right? You go the opposite and you cut yourself off from that person and you become, you know, someone who's like aware of that and grows from that. But some people don't. Some people continue the cycle of abuse. That does happen, right? And that's what I think you see with Bronwyn, okay? And listen, I'm not taking pleasure in being right or in those kids' pain. I'm just taking pleasure in the fact that Bronwyn has needed to be called out and the psychotic way that she has used her kids and husband for her own attention, fame, gain, and the way that she just like so desperately has tried to get back on this show. And, you know, it's 
I think the Bravo fans all knew this, right? This has come out and everyone's like, yep, yep, right? Like the Bravo fans, we knew, we called this. Um, but to kind of see it and to see Bronwyn getting called out, you know, it's what she deserves, to be honest. Um, all right. So we are going to end off on some Real Housewives of Atlanta news. It is This was honestly my lead story. But so much crazy stuff has happened. And now this happened like on Monday. So it's like the oldest quote unquote news now instead of being the the freshest and biggest because there's just this week has been crazy. Um, okay, so last week I reported on Portia coming back to Real Housewives of Atlanta and on her husband, you know, with the deportation charges. Okay. And then I finish recording, I post my episode, and Portia files for divorce. Like, excuse me? <laughs> okay, so, so Portia has filed for divorce from her husband, Simon Gubadia. And there's been, you know, th that was like the original big bombshell, but they were only married for 15 months, right? And I mean, listen, the very cynical part of me is like, this is so Portia too, to do. Because she does a lot of times this one, and she's always done this. She did this with the ex too. She kind of waits until like, and I know in this case, she hasn't been on Atlanta and she's just coming back to it, but she waits till like in between. She's kind of Kyle Richards-ish in this way. She waits till in between to like do the divorce and drop it. And then when the show's airing, you know, she's like the puppet master and she can like control the narrative, right? And here we go again. Okay, it's like she gets signed on to Atlanta, you know, drops the divorce news in the press. So now when we see her on next season, we're not going to see the conflict and the stuff she's going through with him. We're just going to see her just like dealing with, oh, the aftermath and I'm divorced. And here's how I'm like, you know, coming out of it. You know, it's going to be that again. Okay, and she did that with... um what was her ex? Dennis, I think was his name. Like, granted, they weren't married, right? But the breakup happened before filming started, right? So again, we saw like the aftermath of that. Okay. Um, same with uh, her first husband, Cordell, right? Like it was, again, it was like they did the reunion. He didn't show up. She defended him. And then we came back and it was like she was divorcing. So it's like she was the divorce was announced though before the season started. So again, we saw the aftermath. Now we did see a lot more. I will give her with Cordell with the whole like settling it and dealing with him. So there was more of that. I will say that. But again, that was like there was already an acknowledgement of a divorce impending and of issues. And then when the show was on the season before, she was trying to play it like, you know, we have this great marriage and relationship and she also kind of had to prove herself that season when she came back with the divorce with Cordell because they were going to cut her and it was like Nini and others who fought and fought to get her a second season um in case you didn't know that that is true okay so long story short she's getting divorced and she has asked a judge to enforce the prenup between her and Simon and reportedly wants each party to keep their assets to themselves. So I guess they had that kind of agreed upon 
you know, beforehand. Um, and apparently uh, her and Simon signed their prenup a few days before their first wedding in November 2022. Um, and it you know, each party's separate property interests and marital property interests. The wife requests that the prenuptial agreement be enforced by this court and be made a part of this court's final judgment and decree of divorce. She has also said um, or put out a sort of warning through the court to Simon that he does not destroy, conceal, or alter any files about his finances. Okay, and this comes shortly after we have found out as well in the news that he has been slapped with an $800,000 lawsuit from NetJets for unpaid private jet bills. See, there's always sketchy stuff behind the money. Okay, if it's not clear where it's coming from, there's usually something sketchy, right? All these videos, Portia flexing on social media with her, here's the new car Simon got me of her on the private jet, oh, he's not paying for it, right? Like, and I would not be surprised if that's part of why she's leaving, right? I could see this being similar to Erica and Tom. And I said this before of like, you know, the something isn't adding up with the money. And now the wife is jumping ship before, you know, it hits the fan. <laughs> like I could see that. Um, and the fact that she doesn't want him to be like, you know, concealing altering or hiding that kind of tells me that maybe like he's gonna try to do that so that he doesn't have to give her as much or that he has like stuff that he's trying to hide okay so then there was this instagram post where you know portia posted you know thank you for your prayers and support she also changed her instagram name by the way back to portia williams so she changed her last name back and then simon posted will stop loving my wife when divorce is final Okay. And then people were commenting um, and somebody wrote, they must be trying to ship him back. And he replied with like laughing face emojis. And then um, somebody else commented, if immigration finds out your sponsor, be it your wife or other, has a criminal record, it is not going to fly with immigration. And Simon replied, yep. So is he saying that because Portia has a criminal record, because she does, that that is what's preventing him from immigrating or from moving to the U.S.? Because we know that the big story before this was that he wasn't able to come into the U.S. and that he kept he kept getting rejected or like kicked out or whatever and it was reported that that was because of his criminal activity or whatever shady things but now you know his reply to this comment is kind of that it might be because of Portia so does that mean that this is like they're getting divorced and then maybe he's going to come to the country and then marry her again I don't I don't know or that they'll be together but just not a fit I have no I don't know it's 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 getting complicated. It's getting more and more complicated. So the last piece of Real Housewives of Atlanta news that I want to end on is just like something small but important. So I wanted to put it out there is that Marlo is officially out and Sonia Richards Ross is also out. So they have 
not been asked back for season 16. I don't think Sonia has confirmed, but Marlo has. So Marlo put out a post and just kind of said that, you know, you, you know, like one of those like very like political posts where it's sort of like, oh, it's the right thing. And, you know, my my nephews are like transitioning to like a very important time in their life. And now I can spend more time with them, etc. So, you know, she kind of gave that like, you know, nicey, nicey answer, because clearly like Marlo is, you know, in the position where she's probably hoping to get back on one day, even if it's like in a friend of role. Right. And even Andy mentioned on his radio show, I think it was that or Watch What Happens Live, that he, you know, doesn't think this is the end for Marlo and that, you know, we'll we'll be hearing more from her in the future. So that seems to be the new thing now. Like if it's someone that they really like, it's like, you know, we'll put them on an indefinite pause and see what happens. Right. And then the housewives who play nice right? The ones who are not, I guess, like Leah and others, <laughs> I guess, hold on to that like chance to come back. I mean, that's in Bravo and Andy's best interest too. Because let's be honest, if they keep dangling the carrot, then it kind of helps them to guarantee that these fired people aren't going to start like launching lawsuits and talking crap, which is clearly a problem for them right now. Okay, so... A lot. I know this was a really long episode. Thank you if you have hung in until the end. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you got some of the, uh, you got at least the news stories that you care about or all of them. And you are definitely now in the know for everything Bravo. See you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Your support really means everything to me. And this show wouldn't be possible without you, the listeners. So please, if you enjoy the podcast, leave a five-star rating and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For more, you can join my Patreon, patreon.com slash bravoandbotox. And for $5 a month, you'll get four extra podcast episodes a month. You'll also get early releases of Bravo Paper episodes and more. Please also subscribe to my YouTube channel at The Bravo Papers and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Bravo and Botox and at the Bravo Papers. If you'd like to buy me a coffee, you can at buymeacoffee.com slash Bravo and Botox. You know, send your love through some much needed caffeine. And any guest that was on today's episode will be in the show notes, all their social media and contact information. So thank you so much, everyone. Keep overanalyzing Bravo.